it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not issuing an apology that nobody asked for. Check this one out. One CNN anchor after another lining up to apologize on the air for a Trump town hall that tripled their ratings. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've heard of. We'll explain who they're really apologizing to with help from Joe Concha, media reporter at The Hill, comedian Diamond Dave Landau in the house as well, and retired NYPD inspector Paul Morrow weighs in on the Manhattan District Attorney's decision to charge a subway hero who stopped a zombie attacker from going after women and children, uh, 888-788-9910. If you want to go after anyone at all or you want to help me keep the peace in this fine land, doesn't matter. All are welcome. It's Friday. We're in a good mood. You can be a Republican. You can be a Democrat, Libertarian, Independent. We don't care. Just don't be a There it is. Happy Friday. Uh, I was on Fox and Friends this morning. Uh, we were doing an American Gladiators type event on like a bouncy castle. That was embarrassing. Stop it. Okay, I will concede that I did not win the gold medal, uh, but we do still have to count the mail-in votes. So don't give up on me just yet. Uh, I will be on with the great Larry Kudlow today in the 4 p.m. hour on Fox Business. And tonight I'll be joining Kaylee McEnany in the 8 p.m. hour on Fox News tonight. But we begin here on the radio with a little you and me time, girlfriend. What happened on CNN last night? I, I I never thought I'd say this because the Trump Town Hall was one of the funniest things I've ever watched. It was hilarious. You know, they had kind of brought him on to clown him. Like, we'll have it both ways. We'll get a big ratings boost, and we'll wind up making the guy look really bad. Wrong. Trump actually came off fabulously with voters who were in the room laughing, prioritizing an entirely different set of values than the anchors who put him on. You know, CNN, again, was aghast. In the aftermath of that town hall, as was everyone over at MSNBC, I can't believe it aired something like this. It was so dangerous. The media is a bunch of losers. They really are. This idea that they were platforming Donald Trump, first and foremost, is my favorite thing in the world. Donald Trump, whatever you think of the guy, I don't care if you like him, don't care if you hate him. It's not my job. Donald Trump is the most famous human being on the planet right now. That's true. That is true. He is the most single famous human being on the planet right now. Okay, this idea that CNN gave him a platform where people otherwise wouldn't have heard his ideas. (laughs) What are we even talking about here? As if this was like some garage band and we never would have knew they sang a song with offensive lyrics if CNN didn't put him on TV one night. It's the most famous person on the planet. Never mind that for a bunch of people who claim to be objective journalists, they seem to be a little upset about covering the Republican frontrunner. I think he's got a point. I'm not telling you Trump's going to win the nomination, but I'm not telling you he's not going to win the nomination. The point is, as it's presently constituted, he is a former president who happens to be the odds-on favorite to be our next president. 
So this idea that they'd get on the air and be like, oh, how dare we cover this? Journalism in this country is dead and buried. But I love the apology because, again, it really highlights just how far out of touch the media elites are with the rank and file voters in this country. Okay, three million people tuned in. You know what CNN actually averages on a normal night in primetime right now? I'm not even kidding. People are like, what, a million people? Not even close! Dude, when they're lucky right now, they're popping seven or 800,000 people. Seven or 800,000 in that time slot. You gotta do better than that! Okay, really think about that. So Trump comes and triples the size of your audience. Okay, you don't need to be on TV the next night apologizing. Why? Because anybody who watched isn't there the next night. They clearly were tourists. They came to your channel one time for one event. You got three million extra viewers, and they went away the next day. So who is CNN really apologizing to but the few hardcore holdouts and the journalist class that's bashing them? That's what's going on. Oh, how dare you? Because, again, they are not journalists. They're activists masquerading as journalists. Bingo. But let me play you some of this because it's just so laughable. Because they're coming on TV. Like, this is the kind of apology you probably should have gotten from Jeffrey Tubin when he was caught celebrating Palm Sunday on a Zoom call. What the hell did you just say? But listen to this. Yeah, Tubin. He, uh, <laughs> well, you know. Journalists aren't supposed to get too close to politicians. Well, there was Tubin shaking hands with the governor right there for all of his co-workers to see. It's Friday! Let's get nuts! Anyway, let me play this one for you because it's so good. Here's Anderson Cooper batting leadoff in the groveling Olympics. It's clip 19. Before we begin with tonight's broadcast, I want to say something about what we witnessed at last night's town hall. Many of you have expressed deep anger and disappointment. <laughs> Many of you are upset that someone who attempted to destroy our democracy was invited to sit on a stage in front of a crowd of Republican voters to answer questions and predictably continued to spew lie after lie after lie. And I get it. It was disturbing. <laughs> Many of you. Many of you were disturbed by that. First of all, many people don't watch CNN on the regular. It's it's rating behind the Yule log right now. What he's talking to are his fellow journalists because this is now a team sport. Journalism used to be about holding people in power accountable, which is fine if they want to ask tough questions or Trump scrutinize his record. And he certainly uh, had a little fun with the truth over the years, I'm, you know. Not going to sit here and embarrass myself by, you know, claiming everything he said has been on the level. But if you look around the field of politics, is anything Trump does that much different than anything anybody else is doing in politics right now? The answer would be no. Dude, Joe Biden is a weapons grade liar when you talk about the things he says he has said to the public. Okay, when you talk about how many times he has backtracked on a promise or told you a Georgia voter ID law was Jim Crow on steroids or. Told you he graduated first in his law class only to find out he didn't get a scholarship, graduated last. Do you remember? I mean, I've been playing you Biden montages that stretch back to 1988. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. Went back to law school and, in fact, ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only 123 credits. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class. 
that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named Outstanding Political Science Student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed him. And I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. Joe Biden was victimized by the truth. Bye-bye, Biden. He may not know it yet, but I think this is very going to be very difficult for him to recover. Is Joe Biden dead meat, yes or no? I think so. <laughs> you told some of the biggest lies that I've ever heard of in my whole life. Joe Biden is like an actual sociopath in terms of the lies. I mean, look at things like, uh, you know, are we going to we going to have a vaccine mandate, Joe? No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory. But- Wait, what? Hold on a second, because then he went on to fire people after he made it to be mandatory. That's just how white folks will do you. Okay, Jim Crow, which was run in the, you know, the Jim Crow South, where the Democratic-run states were physically killing people in some instances to deny them access to voting. Joe Biden claimed asking for a driver's license or a government ID was Jim Crow on steroids. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in in Georgia. And f- I mean, think about it. Joe Biden once said he was running for president because it was a battle for the soul of our nation because he saw that Donald Trump never condemned neo-Nazis and white nationalists in Charlottesville. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. So the idea that the media wants you to believe, oh, we're so sorry. We aired a lying politician. You are so full of sh. What they're really apologizing to is not you. It's not the viewers. The viewers enjoyed the Trump show. It was hilarious. I'll play you clips later. Even if you disagree with it and you hated every second of Donald Trump's existence, it was just funny. Okay? He has a way of being funny when he's dancing around controversial material. You know, one of the funniest things in the world is he was asked about E. Jean Carroll, who made up a story about Trump raping her, was found to have lied about it. Trump still owes her $5 million for defamation. But when he was talking about the subject matter, we played it yesterday and we kind of laughed our asses off because he was saying, like, (laughs) here he is talking about her and her cat. Clip 28. Just give me a second. This woman, I don't know her. I never met her. I have no idea who she is. I had a picture taken years ago with her and her husband, nice guy, John Johnson. He was a newscaster, a very nice man. She called him an ape. Happens to be African-American. Called him an ape. The judge wouldn't allow us to put that in. Her dog or her cat was named Vagina. The judge wouldn't allow it to put that in. All of these things. He would, but with her, they can put in anything. <laughs> The cat was named Vagina. <laughs> it's just bizarre. And people laugh, and it's nuts. And the fact that viewers liked it, okay, is what CNN is really apologizing for. They're apologizing to their other teammates in journalism, which is now a team sport. It's not about getting to the truth. It's about getting Democrats elected. Again, if this is all about, well, we shouldn't let a guy on TV who tells a few lies, really? You better lock Joe Biden up. My gosh. But let me give you a little more Anderson Cooper. Clip 20. So if last night showed anything, it showed it can happen again. It is happening again. 
He hasn't changed, and he is running hard. You have every right to be outraged today and angry and never watch this network again. But do you think staying in your silo and only listening to people you agree with is going to make that person go away? If we all only listen to those we agree with, it may actually do the opposite. If lies are allowed to go unchecked, as imperfect as our ability to check them is on a stage in real time, those lies continue and those lies spread. If you're angry or upset, I understand, but you have the power to do something about it. You can actually get involved. You can make a difference, whatever side of the aisle you're on. After last night, none of us can say, I didn't know what's out there. I didn't know what's coming. That was absolutely dreadful. No, we were just looking out for you to warn you about the dangers of everything that's going on right now in the car. Shut up! Will you shut up? It's so embarrassing. But the somber tone, like he's looking into the camera as if 80 people just died, as if we just witnessed a human rights atrocity. Listen to the tone. What happened last night? was something that could happen to all of us. Like, dude, nothing happened! 300 people at a town hall laughed their asses off. And everybody at CNN kind of got clowned because they were supposed to be a big night. Well, we'll launch Caitlin Collins as a big star. She'll be this big, huge star now because she took on Trump. It's going to be amazing. Here we go. <laughs> Here's Caitlin Collins apologizing talking about what they had aired the night before. This is so embarrassing. Clip 21. About last night, the 70 minutes that I spent on stage in New Hampshire with former President Donald Trump was a major inflection point in the Republican Party's search for its nominee and potentially the starting line for America's next presidential race. It's important to remember that he is right now the GOP frontrunner, a race that he is running, as noted, while being criminally indicted, found civilly liable and under investigation for everything from his handling of classified documents to his business empire. Also notable is the Republican reaction on Capitol Hill today to someone who could easily once again become their party's nominee. Are you stupid or something? She's a little stupid. It's not because she's a woman. It's not because of race or gender or anything in between. It's just because she's a stupid person. That's true. That is true. Okay, Caitlin Collins, who, by the way, used to be a conservative journalist who has a great tweet circulating on Twitter where she accuses George Soros being a foreign born man who wants to turn our country upside down and espouses something along the lines of the great replacement theory. Pretty fascinating stuff. But the point is they're all full of it. Okay, and what they're really upset about over at CNN right now is that everybody else in their intellectual kumbaya circle jerk is now mad at them because they didn't rally to try and defeat Trump as a team. They feel like this might have helped Trump. That's what they're upset about, okay? They got ratings, something they haven't had in years over at CNN. If people tuned in for once, does that mean they're actually mad at CNN on that particular night? The answer would be no. No, and I don't doubt that some people were hate-watching it, mainly over at MSNBC. But this is when she said an inflection point, it is an inflection point. Donald Trump, for right, whatever you think of the guy, is a major party nominee who happens to be the front runner for the next presidential election. And the idea that the media is now openly, openly decrying the act of letting voters hear from a guy they might be asked to vote for. OK, that is not democracy. 
That is a human shield around the ballot box in an effort to silo all the information out to their viewers that will make them vote Democrat. This idea that they're upset about lying, Joe Biden said with a straight face he never once talked to his son about his business dealings. That is a fact check false. Not only do we now know he talked to him, but he met with his business partners and had the money wired back into his grandkids through 15 LLCs from foreign entities looking to do business with our country. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? But is anyone in the media even covering that potential conflict of interest? The answer would be no. The media doesn't care about democracy. They don't care about protecting the country. They care about protecting the Democratic Party. And I'm out here in the real world, and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. He's the host you shouldn't get too close to. A lot of things about me you don't know anything about, Daddy. Things you wouldn't understand. Things you couldn't understand. Things you shouldn't understand. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Really quickly, I have to play you a clip from The View. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Here is Sonny Hostin, just weapons grade stupid, saying the view shouldn't have given Trump a platform, uh, that CNN should have given him a platform, clip 22. I think that you don't give a bigot and a racist and a misogynist and a liar and a cheater and a sexual abuser and a, a defamer a platform of three million people. And I'm saddened. Uh, I used to work for CNN for quite some time. Anderson Cooper has been my friend for over 20 years. And I'm saddened that he tried to gaslight me yesterday by saying that people are in silos. People aren't living in a silo. They are choosing to listen to the lies or not. I'm surrounded by idiots. Okay, again, this idea that they gave him a platform. It's the most famous human being alive. Everything he says is heard by everyone on the planet of Earth. And she makes it sound like there were three million people waiting around and CNN allowed him to come in and address them. There was nobody waiting around. The people showed up because he did. Correct the mundo. Do you know what CNN's ratings were the night before the Trump town hall? Less than a third. You know what they were the night after the Trump town hall? Less than a third. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, all these people worried about the country aren't saying a word about the fact that they just opened the southern border. Country is being destroyed by stupid people, by very stupid people. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Country's a mess. Title 42 has now been repealed by the Biden administration. You have no idea how to defend a nation. Folks, six million people have come into our country illegally since Joe Biden took office. Six million people. What Joe Biden inherited, just so we're on the same page, not a political show. Okay, Joe Biden inherited a system. That had resulted in the lowest level of border crossings in 45 years. Donald Trump, whatever you think of the guy, 
had reduced illegal border crossings by 80 percent over the previous administration. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. Now, to Obama's credit, not that the Democrats liked it, he was actually considered the deporter in chief because Obama was deporting people a little more aggressively than Biden is. Okay, but understand Trump's policies that had lowered border crossings by 80 percent to their lowest point in 45 years were all rescinded the second Biden took office. That's stupid. Use your common sense. And the message went out to cartels and people looking to exploit our southern border that you could absolutely positively do so. And that's why we are where we are. Title 42, which was one of the last restrictions in place that allowed us to dispel would-be asylum seekers over COVID-era health restrictions, is now off the books. And what you're witnessing at our southern border is a humanitarian crisis at a level we've never seen on American shores. And I'm jogging my brain, and I'm certainly not trying to denigrate any other previous disaster. But the truth is, you're talking about numbers of people. I mean, just women alone. If you talk about women, if 6 million women have already crossed this border, excuse me, if 6 million people have already crossed this border, 50% of whom are female, the math tells us that 30 okay, percent of the women who cross our border illegally are getting sexually assaulted. That's a, according to Customs and Border Patrol. That means at least 900,000 women have been raped under this porous border policy. Is anyone in the media howling and screaming about women? The answer would be no. No, would you stop it? You know what the media is doing right now? They're yelling and screaming because Trump went on CNN. That's the big, that's the hot topic. If you're at the Washington Post, you're at the New York Times, forget this six million people stampeding in. Forget that over 200 members of our terror watch list have been stopped at the border. The terror watch list. Like, remember 9-11, the people tried to blow us up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, two people, 200 people on that list right into the country. Okay, they're the ones we know of. Okay, there have also been over 500,000 gotaways. Meaning 500,000 people who came into this country, we don't even know where they are. Okay, they got away. Yet they're trying to tell us with a straight face, the border is closed. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Here is Alejandro Mayorkas. Just an embarrassment to the country. Okay, being asked by a reporter, how can the border be closed if 530,000 people got in? Clip four. They point to Border Patrol's own numbers, which show that going back to October of last year, there were more than a million apprehensions, but then there were also more than 530,000 gotaways. That's roughly the, the size of the population of the city of Baltimore. How can you say that the border is not open? So um, uh, we removed, returned, and expelled 1.4 million people last year. Ask those 1.4 million people if if they think uh, the border is open. Our apprehension rate uh, at the border is consistent with the apprehension rate in prior years. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I mean, he is the actual garbage. Okay, and understand this. the, The debate here, the semantic, you know, sidestepping of the question. Folks, okay, I don't know where your local shopping mall is. I don't know where you're listening. We're 150 stations. It's actually really exciting. Um, but wherever your local shopping mall is, I promise you, you've never been there at an hour of the day when it was closed and they let in 530,000 people. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Do you remember vacation when they drive across the country to Wally World? Sorry, folks. Park's closed. Moose out front should have told you. 
at no point when the park was closed did they also let in 530,000 people. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Okay. It's not closed. It's open. Right. And, and understand this. Even when he talks about apprehensions, the people we apprehend at the border then get let into the country. This is ridiculous. So even so, okay, if you get caught at the border, they're like, come on down. You got an asylum case. It's 2027 is the updated reporting on this. If you get caught at our border and you're seeking asylum, you are now in our country pending the outcome of a court case that will take place in 2027. Mind you, 90% of asylum seekers do not show up to their court case because we're not going to go deport them. So the message at the border is not what you say. It's what you do. Okay, and one of the things Mayorkas is doing right now is fighting with a federal judge. Last night after we got off the air, okay, federal judge ruled that the Biden administration could not mass release migrants without at the very least giving them a trial date. Now, understand, 90 percent of these people don't even show up to the trial date. But the judge said, no, no, you can't just grab these people at the border who surrender to authorities and then just turn them loose in the country. Okay, the Biden administration is fighting that. Here's my Orcus saying that would be a harmful ruling. Clip six. Federal judge uh, yesterday ruled or stripped your ability to release migrants without court dates. Uh, First, you plan to appeal that ruling. It's a very harmful ruling, and the Department of Justice is considering uh, our options. Garbage like you just makes me sick. Just garbage. It's a harmful ruling that you can't mass release migrants? Yo. Okay, understand what he's saying. I understand what he's advocating for. People coming across our southern border have come from 68 different nations. Okay. We have at least 200 people that we know of that are on our terror watch list, meaning they can't board a plane. They're a threat to blow it up. Okay, we don't want them riding mass transit. They're a threat to blow it up. Can't sell them a firearm. They're a threat to blow us up. Okay, that's coming across the border. Those are the 200 we know of. Okay, the terror watch list, which has thousands of people on it, could easily have another thousand of those members walking around our country right now, and we wouldn't know. Okay, when people try to, you know, hyper-contextualize border security as some type of racism towards South American migrants, shut your fat face. Adults are talking. Okay, women are getting sexually assaulted. Americans are dying at the highest level of fentanyl poisoning deaths in the recorded history of this nation, all because of our border policy. So you're talking about a sociopathic indifference to the damage being done on either side of this border, and all of it was preventable if we just left the existing border policies in place when Biden got into office. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. You're right. But we didn't do that. Why? Why? Because we turned border security into some type of pretend issue surrounding racism. The Democrats who had voted voted for border wall funding under Barack Obama, the Democrats who had voted for border wall funding under George W. Bush, heard Donald Trump yell, build a wall. And they were like, that's racist. Come on. Democrats are so full of crap. This is the problem. Like political opposition is supposed to come with a basic decency. You oppose your opponents 
where you have a fundamental disagreement on how to solve a problem. Okay, but do you understand they didn't have a fundamental disagreement with Donald Trump's border policies? They voted for a wall. Do you understand? They did it under multiple presidents. They didn't have a fundamental disagreement. They had a business plan. Flood the zone. Every word out of this man's mouth say it is an unprecedented threat to the very existence of this country. That was the business policy. Fat, screaming children. We're all going to die! He's Hitler! He hates women! He's going to lock up the gay people! That's what they did. Just yelled and screamed every word out of his mouth. But do you understand the consequence of that is people who had no other business plan other than to yell and scream are now being tasked with running the country that we live in. I got a bad feeling about this. And it's impossible not to, because if you look around the country, it doesn't have to be at the border. Okay? Look around Oklahoma or Texas, where we should be green lighting more production, more drilling. Okay? Look around the streets of California, where they're now walking around in human waste. Not good. Not good. No bueno. Look at my hometown of New York, where they just indicted a guy on the subway who was protecting women and children against a zombie attacker. Look anywhere you want in the country, you're going to see a very aggressive decline in the overall quality of life. And the reason we're in this position, long story short, is because we have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. A show that's taking orders from the big man upstairs. We're on a mission from God. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Took a minute to get our next guest into the studio. He's become such a big name on TV. He actually wrote in on an elephant. They're tying it up as we speak. Uh, His Excellency, uh, retired NYPD inspector Paul Morrow, gracing us yet again. So are you implying I'm late? No, not at all. All right. I just want to clear that up. Do you want to know who the best in-studio arrival guy is for real in the building? You were just on TV with him, Bill Hemmer. So Dane is the most punctual person in, in the building. Yes. So you have a 515. She's walking to 544, you know, 514 and 56. Right yeah. right there. Hammer, like, literally will run in as the rejoin music has started, but pointing to his watch because he wants credit for the on-time arrival. But, I mean, as I think the team in the production booth, if they, with a list, they would say, it's, I mean, to the second. Photo finish. H- Hammer can't do anything not well. <laughs> no, that's that. He's like one of those guys. Yeah, he even I mean? show, he even shows up a second late and looks on time doing it. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How does he do that? All right, let's get down. Let's let's get down to brass tacks, Paul Morrow. Um, so this fellow gets indicted. I was telling the audience about this. Okay, he is a Marine veteran. Yeah. yeah. Who springs into action after a zombie, which sadly we have a lot of on our in our subway system. We do is menacing women and members aboard a train. Okay, he initially seemed to have support from the mayor who, you know, 
kind of took a measured response to this. We need the facts. We've got a way out. But right. Eventually seems to have gotten swept up by the popular sentiment of the rest of the liberal leadership in this town. Yeah. And now the guy's been indicted. Uh, does this seem like the high visibility level of this protest is what ultimately got him indicted? It does feel that way, doesn't it? Uh-huh. And isn't that a shame when you actually take a step back and you realize that it was probably a total of like 30 Antifa wannabes who jumped mm-hmm. onto a subway track in a totally contrived protest yeah. because nobody is jumping onto a subway track when they think the actual train may be coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and nor are they going to climb on the third rail, which yeah. they did. Mm-hmm. So very clearly there was some level of cooperation and staging there. Mm-hmm. There was more media there than there were protesters. Good point. And then, of course, we have the usual suspects, the squad, uh, the New York City Council, which is a glorified clown car, Albany, which, uh, you know, there's no excuse for the behavior in Albany and the stuff Mm -hmm. that they've put through. And what it really means in uh, a macro sense, taking a step back, is that all of the people who have advocated for defunding and for retreating from safety of our public spaces – are now trying to deflect the blame for what occurred here from themselves because they bear significant responsibility. And frankly, Jordan Neely and an event like Jordan Neely's mm-hmm. death, which is tragic, mm-hmm. was in- inevitable. That's a great point. We're talking to retired NYPD inspector Paul Morrow. There is a climate on the subway that we've discussed in the past yeah. where there's a real – it's like a real sense of like helplessness in a lot of instances. Where it's you a just, rolling insane asylum. It is. And we've all been in this moment. You get on the subway and there's a thing happening. Yeah, and everybody's just looking down or keeping to themselves and hoping the thing. I'm hoping doesn't it's not their day to, to lose the lotto. But yeah. that's yeah, that's the frustration here. Is we seem to be prioritizing the wrong subway threat. We don't have thousands of vigilantes riding the subway attacking random people. Of course we don't. I mean, and you know what bothers me too very mm-hmm. much as somebody who's married and lives in town. Mm-hmm. You know, the vast majority. This is something you're not supposed to notice and nobody's supposed to say. But the vast majority of the victims are women. Yep. And, you know, you see these images of women, and I've seen it in person, where, you know, uh, working women going to work or coming home from work, dressed well, et cetera, sitting there very ostentatiously clutching pepper, pepper spray yeah. as a signal, don't mess with me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is how we choose to live now in yeah. what's supposed to be one of the leading cities of the Western world, if not the leading city of the Western world. Yeah. We have a portion of our population who are terrified during their mor- morning commute. Why are we paying what has got to be multi-billions, I don't know what the final tab of it is, for a subway system on which Mm -hmm. the people who take it are scared and a big portion of the population simply won't take it. Won't even go near it. And you want to know something else no one talks about is there's a good percentage of school kids who take the subway to school. That's right. Thousands and thousands of kids are getting on the subway right now to go to school. Yeah. And there's some, you know... Time-traveling lunatic yeah, exactly. who might attack somebody or get in your face. It's really psychotic, and it's what's amaz- amazing to me is there's got to be, like, on some level, almost a sociopathic indifference to life yeah. if you're out there advocating for more of this. That, that, that it's, it's so sort of um, narcissistic mm-hmm. and, and venal mm-hmm. and just corrupt because, again— People responsible for it are now making the most noise, and as a result, they're not doing anything to try to assuage it. Yeah. We've had – think about it now. De Blasio gave $800 million to his wife for Thrive New York, Mm -hmm. specifically designated for mental health services. Mm -hmm. There hasn't been a lick of difference 
since the announcement of that. Where is the investigation by our remarkably incurious press? Where is the Woodward and Bernstein of the New York Times, the crack investigative team, the, all the news that's fit to print, yeah, yeah. the paper of record? Nobody there has the time to say, let's audit where that $800 million went because it very clearly didn't go to services. Uh-uh. And that's, I mean, and you can't walk out the door in any direction in the city right now and everyone would know we were telling the truth. It's, it's, it's horrifying. Um, let me ask you this really quickly. There's no charges for the accomplice or could there be charges coming? I mean, he didn't act alone in that video, but it's been conveniently omitted yeah. that there was a person of color assisting him. Yeah, I know. So, you know, they probably it just doesn't play to the narrative. Yeah. So could it come in back, you know, later if there's enough pressure? But this whole thing is being driven by the public narrative. And, you know, proof of that is the fact that, you know, you see things like the New York Times printing all these articles about uh, Jordan, be, you know, making him such a victim, going mm-hmm. into root causes yeah. and all sort of stuff. Um, there is no photo out there in most of the mainstream media that shows him in anything but his Michael Jackson outfit. Yep. Like, you know, the propaganda machine has taken off here. The, yeah. There's no um, – there, there's now that what they're trying to do is they're trying to bring in the police. See, yep. that's the only thing that's lacking in this one. Yeah. They don't have a cop doing yeah. it, right? So they got to figure out a way to get they that. they got a guy on board. That's right. So it's they had to have protests where they fight with the cop, and, and now they're claiming that the police showed up late. Meanwhile – it is a station that doesn't have a cop there. Yeah. And they had to get there on transit two, three stops away. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Paul Morrow, uh, one of the smartest things I've ever heard. Uh, epic as always. Thank we'll you, do man. It again, man. Good to see you. Of course. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. Back in action. Big hour coming up on Fox Across America. Joe Concha. Media reporter over at the Hill, Fox News contributor, going to stop by to talk about the lack of intellectual curiosity in the revelations surrounding the Joe Biden money laundering enterprise that appears to have been run by his son, Hunter. Hunter's a dirtbag. 888-788-9910 if you want to weigh in. We're going to talk about issues of significance to our country in this hour. It's not, you know, we're not having another rage room session where people from CNN blow off steam over Donald Trump getting a TV audience. CNN is the worst. But it's so embarrassing because every journalist, as we get on the air, it's Friday. I'm in such a good mood. I mean, you want breaking news on this show. I tell you guys way too much. Obviously, this week I'm in town. I'm in town all weekend. I'll be on tonight with Kaylee McEnany. She's hosting Fox in the 8 p.m. hour. Me and uh, the great Larry Kudlow getting the band back together in the 4 p.m. hour. Tomorrow night, I'll be on with Lawrence Jones in the 9 p.m. hour. But this time next Friday, you guys know I'm heading down the Clearwater. Going to be telling a bunch of jokes. The Capitol Theater, Ruth Eckerd Hall. You can still get your tickets. Go to Ticketmaster. Go to RuthEckerdHall.com. But next Friday, uh, we are talking about the 19th day of May. Prior to getting on a plane and flying down to Clearwater, I'm going to be hosting Greg Gutfeld's show. <laughs> You heard it here first. Number one late night show in the country right now. Uh, it is a high honor to sit in for our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg, and I will be doing exactly that next Friday. So if you see me on TV and I look a little taller, it's probably because of the phone books on his seat. Uh, but the point is, I will be there, and you're the only people who know about this. It will not be tweeted about. It will not be Facebooked about until the day of, because that's how we roll. You guys have the highest security clearance in the world of TV, 
and TV and news and politics and everything in between. I tell you everything because I mean it. I say, like, this is America's family meeting. I like being able to do this. I grew up in a family where we'd come home and, you know, my dad was a cop and he'd drink a 12-pack of Meisterbrow. My dad my dad really did drink a lot of lousy beer. Uh, I don't know if it's gotten better over the years. Every time I see him now, we just drink bourbon. We just drink bourbon and light a cigar. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. Stop it. It served me and my dad just fine. Uh, but the point is, my family, we'd get together and we'd talk about our day. Hey, what'd you learn? What went on at the ball field? What happened in school? You know, who'd you hear a rumor about? You know, we'd have fun times. And that's my favorite thing about hosting a radio show is that, you know, you have the opportunity for the whole country to tell you about their day. And some days a senator comes on and tells you what he learned or figured out or, you know, some days you got some cable news starlet telling you a story about her cheerleading days. Hubba, hubba. But the point is it's always entertaining. It's always fun and you're all family. So I tell you way too much, way too much. So you've got a high security clearance. Just do not take any of this information and use it on your private email server. I'm Hillary Clinton and I approve this message. Okay, let's talk Hunter for a second. Okay, James Comer earlier in the week, okay, he is, of course, leading the House oversight investigation into the Biden family. Have they uncovered a crime at this point? The answer would be no. Honestly, they haven't. I I don't want to say they have. I'm a responsible broadcaster. But they have already uncovered a level of financial structuring that would get anyone listening to this broadcast raided by the IRS. I agree with that. Okay, understand, what we learned this week is that when Joe Biden became vice president, his son Hunter immediately ran out, created 15 different LLCs, 15 different companies. Did any of the companies have a specialty? The answer would be no. Meaning was one like a pizza company, was one a tourist company, was one a construction company? The answer would be no. 15 companies with no description of what they do for a living other than their LLCs that come with bank accounts. Okay, LLCs, some of which are run by his business partners, others of which are attributable to members of his family. And within a few weeks of Joe Biden becoming your vice president, his son is now taking in tens of millions of dollars from foreign nationals that he is wiring into these multiple LLCs, and then redirecting through a series of multiple transfers to members of his family, even his own children is what we're talking about here. Okay, so you understand a man is making $10 million for a business that has no description. To this day, we don't know what Hunter Biden does other than trade off his family name. But as these tens of millions of dollars come in, they go to great lengths to conceal where the money's coming from. You understand? Send it to this LLC, then they'll send it to that LLC, then they'll send it to this LLC, then they'll send it to my Uncle Jim Biden. Okay, send it to that LLC, send it to this LLC, send it to that LLC, then they'll send it to my grandson. Okay, send it to this LLC, back to my grandson, to Jim Biden, back to that LLC. Do you get? What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? We don't know, honestly, at this point that there has been a crime committed. We just know that their banking transactions mirror that of every major criminal in the past hundred years. You're absolutely right. Okay, this is what like drug dealers do. This is what major money launderers do. So the point is they'll continue to investigate. 
they've already found multiple lies in terms of Biden saying, I didn't know anything about my son's businesses. Okay, he not only knew about his son's businesses, he met his business partners on multiple occasions at the White House. They've gone out to lunch on a plane, on a train, on a boat with a goat. It's Dr. Seuss. Okay, met him everywhere. This letter now that came out in the run up to the election, which was actually election interference, like the the CIA interfered in the 2020 election. Okay, so, yeah, Donald Trump gets in trouble for saying it was stolen. Okay, and I can't prove to you it was stolen. But was it conducted entirely on the level? The answer would be no. And what I mean by that is we changed the way we voted. We voted in a manner in which we had never voted before. A lot of people voted by mail in an unprecedented amount of votes, something the Democrats were all the way against, all the way against, uh, even going as far as to write op-eds in the New York Times as recently as five years ago. Democrats are so full of crap. Of course they are, because when they saw this as an advantage, of course, they gamed that part of the system. Okay, Mark Zuckerberg spending close to a billion dollars to drive turnout in key battleground states. But the CIA itself drafting a letter at the direction of the Biden campaign to say Hunter's laptop was Russian disinformation. That's not right. Dude, that is criminal interference in an election. You're talking about the referees of the game, CNN, excuse me, the CIA operating behind the scenes to throw the election in the direction of one candidate. We could argue the semantics over whether Trump should say rigged or stolen or anything in between, but make no mistake about it. When you see polling that shows you 30 percent of Biden supporters would have changed their vote if they knew the depths of corruption his family was engaged in, you're talking about tens of millions of votes in an election that was decided by thousands of votes. So you understand Joe Biden would not be president right now. Okay, were it not for that interference. That's true. That is true. So Trump's probably never going to shut up about the 2020 election. I don't know that that's good advice. I think people want to look towards the future. I think he has a better chance at victory if he talks about the state of the country since he left. Okay, inflation's at a 40-year high. The border crossings are at an all-time high. Okay, the murder rate is at a 30-year high. We're getting trampled on the world stage right now. As it pertains to our handling of Afghanistan and the fact that we're just Venmoing every dollar we have to Zelensky over in Ukraine, making zero effort to end the war, but claiming it's the root of all economic evil in our country. Understand, we relinquished an energy independence we had when Trump left office. So if Trump runs on the fact that every one of the problems facing America right now didn't exist when he was president, Trump has a great shot of winning. He actually does. I don't know that he can discipline himself enough to control his own message. In fact, I actually don't think he can. I don't think he can help himself. But if it comes down to who's been better for the country, okay, Joe Biden doesn't have a chance, not a chance to win this election. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. But knowing all we do about how they've gone to structure their banking transactions and hide their sources of foreign income, you realize any respectable journalist at this point realizes they're staring down a Pulitzer Prize-winning opportunity traditionally. Traditionally meaning you go out and find some type of smoking gun that's going to expose corruption at the highest levels of our government. For your work, you were rewarded with one of the most esteemed prizes in all of journalism. Now, traditionally, that would happen. In the modern era, it doesn't work that way. You're only going to get that Pulitzer if you are exposing that corruption on a Republican. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. And I can tell you that because people won Pulitzer Prizes for reporting 
on the Russia collusion narrative with Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. It was made up by these sick people. Completely fake story. But people won prizes, honors, grant money. Okay, take a bow. Remember the throne room at the end of Star Wars where they're all on stage? The end of the first one, A New Hope. And they're, you know, they're putting like the the medals over. It's, you know, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. Then they give Chewbacca a medal. Okay, but do you remember that scene? This is the throne room. Okay, they're going up to the throne room. Except in this instance, they didn't destroy the Death Star. They lost the war and they got the uh, trophies anyway. That was embarrassing. Think about that. They rewarded the journalist who reported on a fake Trump story, a story that turned out to be a lie, meaning all of their reporting was a waste of time, and they got the awards anyway. What the hell is the world coming to? But here is Byron Donalds flat out laying it down. Okay. We've got the guy caught in a bazillion lies. Okay, here he actually talks about Pulitzer Prizes, as a matter of fact. This was him at the unveiling uh, on Wednesday, clip 49. One thing everybody in this room and the American people definitely know is that the Biden family doesn't really have a business. There is no business structure around this family except politics. And since Joe Biden has spent decades in the Senate, served eight years as vice president and is now president of the United States and the family's getting money from various countries and foreign businesses through various shell companies and this web of LLCs. I mean, guys, you in the press, this is easy pickings. I'm giving you Pulitzer stuff here. Like, all you have to do is literally look at our memo and see the level of detail upon which they have created this. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? It's Joe Biden. So crazy. But think about that. Traditionally, a Pulitzer Prize. But what are the Democrats saying right now? Well, they didn't uncover anything that shows Biden exchanging the money. No, no. And so clearly we should just all move on. OK, because anybody who's transferring foreign money through 15 separate pretend companies ultimately into his grandkids accounts. Clearly, this is a man who has absolutely nothing to hide. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Seriously. If Richard Nixon were a liberal, the Watergate break in, they'd be like, well, Nixon wasn't there. He wasn't in the hotel. What's the big idea? The big idea is they were allegedly tied to his campaign. But here's more Byron Donalds yesterday on Fox Business, a channel you can see me on today, 4 p.m. Hey, girl. I'll be on with Larry Kudlow at 4. You'll see me tonight with Kaylee McEnany. But right now, my opening act, Byron Donalds, talking about the news networks covering for Biden, clip 42. I think it's disgusting that some of uh, your uh, rivals in media don't even want to talk about this issue when we actually have legitimate receipts, we have bank receipts, we have records, we've gone through all that. They should be covering that. Now, getting back to Joe Biden, I do think he's compromised simply because his brother and his son were engaged with dealings of foreign companies and foreign countries. We have now documented China and Romania, and he knows nothing. All the LLCs that were created, were most of them were created when he was vice president of the United States, and he knows nothing. If he doesn't know anything, he is the dumbest person in the history of the planet and shouldn't be president of the United States. Are you the big man, Joe? Hunter Biden's living, breathing business partners have come forward to say this man, Joe Biden, was getting a 10 percent kickback on all business deals. 
engineered by his son, Hunter. These are living, breathing human beings, veterans who've served our country. The subjects within these emails, the recipients of most of them saying Biden was getting kickbacks. Is the media even covering the story? The answer would be no. If you're a liberal right now and we understand you're not my enemy, you don't have to vote the same way as me. It's not how America works. We're supposed to disagree on all kinds of stuff. But understand, okay, we are teammates when it comes to the greater good of this country, the overall well-being of where we live. And the fact that so many on the left think the media is benefiting them by covering any time a Democrat does something bad or inept, I need you to understand you're being failed too. Your goal in this country should not be to beat my party, as my goal should not be to beat yours. It should be to have the people in power accountable because they're supposed to work for us. Okay, and the media is supposed to help us. They're supposed to serve as that estate that holds the people in power accountable so we know we're getting the truth out of them. That's the whole point of a free press. But now what's happening is the free press is called the free press because anytime a Democrat does something wrong, they're going to let them go free because they don't want to upset the apple cart. This would traditionally be Pulitzer Prize winning stuff. Okay, I mean, you really think about that. We've got all of these banking transactions, 150 suspicious activity reports flagged by Obama's Treasury Department, and no one's going anywhere near it. They don't even care. No, I don't want to look at it. What are we even talking about here? Because it's not about journalism anymore. It's about activism. And I'm telling you, you might think this ends well for you. This is great, you know, in the big political video game of life. We've got unlimited quarters thanks to the liberal media. But at some point, you can still wind up dying because you get a guy in power like the one we have now who has no idea what he's doing and just so happens to be corrupt and compromised to the moon. The show that's crashing the establishment party. I don't recall seeing your name on the guest list. Nothing to be embarrassed about. I sometimes go by my maiden name. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're about to be joined by Joe Concha, media reporter at The Hill, for a discussion on things the media covers and doesn't cover. The media is a bunch of losers. Okay, they're freaking out over Trump and a CNN town hall. No one's talking about the border. The fact that we just ended Title 42, six million people have already come in. We've got the Biden corruption we detailed in great length. And we've got this idea that in New York they should be jailing a subway vigilante who sprung into action to save a train full of women and children. Media not covering the fact that the guy who was ultimately killed in a tragic death had 42 prior arrests and had a warrant out for punching a 67-year-old woman in the face. I think we have differing opinions on who the bad guy is between regular people like you and me and the media. And no one knows better than Chris in Tyler, Texas. Yo, Chris. Hey, Jimmy. Yeah, it's uh, it's just crazy, isn't it? Yep, it's nuts. Two people responsible for uh, Jordan Neely's death. One of them is Jordan Neely himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you can't fault a guy for mental illness yep. if 
he doesn't know how to get treatment. I understand that. I've dealt with it for 32 years as a police officer. Mm-hmm. But the other one responsible for his death is Alvin Bragg. Bingo. Doesn't put people in jail. Thank you. This is really simple, Chris, and I don't want to lose you because we're only 10 seconds from a commercial break. But locking up the bad guys should not be a controversial stance to take. If we just started with that basic premise, Chris, we should elect Chris president. It's a weird poll out right now from Rasmussen Reports about the Biden family business dealings. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. At least with the voters he is. Okay. Media isn't saying a word. Like, that. literally no one's saying anything at a single solitary network. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. Here is a Media Research Center report, and then we'll get to the poll. It's what we do. It's a full-service operation. Uh, <laughs> MRC, how much time do the big three networks on their Wednesday evening and Thursday morning shows actually devote to the press conference led by House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer? Are you ready for the answer? Zero seconds. Zero. Not nothing. It blacked it out. Crazy. You know, remember the sting? We'll give him the old shutout. They gave him the old shutout. Uh, joining us now, a gentleman who definitely saw the sting. Uh, media reporter at the Hill Fox News contributor. Uh, you know him, you love him. Joe Concha, back on the show. Hey, man. I have a great idea for the show as far as a little sound bite, a little, you know, you have those little, like, sound effects. Yeah. Okay. You got to have Dean Wormer on standby. Zero point zero. <laughs> Do you want to hear the one Dean Wormer that's in the cart right now? Yeah. It comes it. up a lot. Okay. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way no to way go to through life, son. That's actually John Belushi, right? I, I must actually confess that was one of the HR people here at Fox lecturing me. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> listen, never Fela. a pleasant conversation. Listen, Fela. Uh, listen, great to hear your voice on the show. But let's get let's dive into this. Uh, we had a Trump town hall. I want to start there uh, yeah. on CNN. And the nice thing is the media is not overreacting to that at all. <laughs> yeah, it is remarkable. <laughs> that the backlash, Jimmy, is so bad that Anderson friggin' Cooper goes on the air last night during his 8 p.m. show and says, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is about right, I don't blame any of you if you never want to watch this network again. I know. <laughs> the tone. Dude, I, I, know. I, I, I would go full Steinbrenner on that guy and fire him, like mid-commercial. <laughs> like, you're telling people not to watch? You know, like the decision that I made? Uh, all I know is Donald Trump is the leading frontrunner for the GOP nomination. He got more votes than any Republican candidate in history. It's 74 million. I believe it's newsworthy to put him on the air and do a town hall. And instead, you have this this over internally at CNN. Uh, embarrassed that they did this and so the next time i gotta hear one more person say oh they're pivoting back to the middle no they ain't they're democratic <laughs> activists that's why they're acting the way they are now that's and now my big question jimmy mm-hmm. all right going forward are all the other news organizations not named fox are they going to be like oh my god you see all those hashtags boycott cnn and all the backlash they got for putting trump on Maybe we shouldn't either. So you're going to have a guy who could very easily be the next president of the United States. He's beating Biden by, what, seven points in that Washington Post poll? And you're not going to put him on the air because you're afraid of your audience? That's where we are in the media in 2023, Phelan. I know. It's so embarrassing for a bunch of people who claim they're not biased. (laughs) Wow. They uh, they seem a little upset. But there's the other argument, too, that I love, though, because I've heard this a lot. 
Yes. Is they keep saying, like, uh, I, I even heard this out of The View. Um, you know, how dare CNN give a platform to this man? I'm like, yo, he gave a platform to them. He's the most famous human being alive. They're the least watched network in all of cable. It's not like there were three million people waiting around and he walked into the room. There was nobody waiting around. He walked into the room. And then, like, if you remember the uh, Michigan J. Frog in the old Warner Brothers cartoon, One Froggy Evening, uh, they couldn't get anyone to come see the frog at first. So the guy put up a sign that says free beer and everyone stampedes (laughs) into the theater. That's essentially what happened. CNN had an empty theater. They put up the free beer sign, and everybody got trampled to see the singing frog. The perfect analogy. Yeah. So they drew 3.1 million people, which is basically what the five gets. Yeah. Okay. Fair. So, But for CNN, Huge. I mean, that is like, wow, the yeah. Oakland A's putting up like 10 runs. Like, this never happens. <laughs> uh, they, they normally have about 500,000 people watching on a given night. So he took their audience and made it six times larger. Mm-hmm. So uh, for from a business perspective, I mean, this is now – and I can't believe this actually is going to be something that's going to be debated internally at these news organizations, but you're going to have like ABC, CBS, NBC saying, boy, he will give us a huge ratings bump, but at the same time, we could lose advertisers. Crazy. <laughs> and by the way, when, when you have Jake Tapper, the most pious person in television, right? Mm-hmm. It's so condescending saying, I, I, I'm sorry that Donald Trump said those lies on our airwaves. Have you ever watched a CNN Biden town hall, <laughs> Jake? Where he said, hey, if you take the COVID vaccine, you can't get COVID. I am in, I'm certain that that's a bigger lie than anything Donald Trump told oh, a trem- couple nights ago. Tremendous. I mean, when you look at the other story they're not covering, which is the Biden family business dealings. Okay, he told you he never spoke to his son once about his business, okay? But as it turns out, we now know he certainly spoke to his son's business partners. (laughs) Like, well, he's not technically lying, though. We didn't prove that he talked to his son. We just proved that he met with everyone his son has ever done business with. And and in one world, okay, let's just jump in here. You and I were doing our taxes on TurboTax, okay? If If I messaged the IRS that I got my income through 15 redirected wire transfers <laughs> and it ended up in my grandson's bank account. Am I not getting an IRS raid, like a paramilitary raid at my house if I say that's how my money's coming in? Oh, yeah, you'll get Roger Stone's, like, right back into the Stone Age. <laughs> you get oh, yeah, I, I, I can't. No like, coverage. They're giving it the old shutout. And it's, it's amazing because what I would think on some level is there's got to be an appetite within the Democratic Party because they really don't want Biden at the top of the ticket. Right. But I don't I actually don't see that push coming. And I'm, I'm amazed by this because this is their opportunity. Because of the plan B, right? Yep. That is Kamala Harris, who somehow I, I watched her a couple of years ago during the Kavanaugh hearings and her the way she treated uh, Brett Kavanaugh was deplorable, for lack of a better word. But at least she was articulate. Yes. Right. And what what has happened to her? What is that book of, of Mice and Men? Right. <laughs> the guy regresses like throughout the book, like was actually it, smart and then regresses towards the end. Isn't it amazing that we have a a, a president in his late hundreds, but yeah. we, we might have to invoke the 25th Amendment on the woman half his age. <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent point. And so then from there, I mean, who, who do you take? You take that the fat guy from uh, Illinois, uh, Pritzker, Pritzker, right? Uh, make Make America. America like like Illinois that doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, Gavin Newsom make yeah. America like California. No, so I I guess it's just for lack of a better idea that they're running Biden. But I was watching Old School last night, the, the great Rodney Danger film, Danger film from oh, nearly back to 40 school, years back ago. to school. Yes. What did I say? Old School, back yeah. to school. Old School, it's Vaughn, idiot. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm the idiot, not you're the idiot. Uh, so yeah, back to school's on, and there's one scene with Ned Beatty, and mm-hmm. he plays Dean Martin, mm-hmm. and he has to confront uh, Thornton Mellon, Rodney Dangerfield, yep. on whether he cheated 
uh, on a bunch of tests and a bunch of papers or not, mm-hmm. right? So he says, Thornton, is this work your own? And then Rodney says, Dean, I can't tell a lie. Yes, it is. So then the dean says, I'm satisfied. Are you satisfied, Phil? Like, that's like the media right now. Like, Biden denies it. Okay, good enough. Let's move on. That's what the New York Times is doing with this story. That's oh, for sure. Well, you know what they're doing? It's like I, I was saying this yesterday. If, by, if, if Nixon was a liberal, they'd be like, well, they didn't catch him at the Watergate Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he was oh, there. Can I use that in my next column? Why wouldn't you? Why All right. I'll, you? I'll, I, I will attribute you that I heard that on your radio if show. You that's it, the perfect analogy. What a guy. But that's what they do. Well, he wasn't in there. I mean, Joe, <laughs> what do you mean his whole campaign was there? Not him. Oh, it's, so, it's so obvious, too. I mean, it's not like you're, this is a stretch here that obviously the influence peddling uh, led to many, many people getting rich in the Biden family. Not just Hunter. Yep. Hallie Biden is a guidance counselor in Delaware, and she's getting checks $10,000. She's, she's like a Julia Louis-Dreyfus, you know, just yeah. she keeps getting the checks for doing nothing now it's, at this it's point, amazing. right? A no-show construction job, as they said on The Sopranos. The right. Bi- <laughs> the, the Bidens are the guys with the folding chairs, eating hoagies, and just arguing about old baseball players and getting wire transfers by the hour. I mean, it's a good racket. I, on some level, I do admire it, but it's yeah. amazing. The dereliction of duty. Uh, Joe Concha, let's confirm for the American people. Is it true that your guest hosting this program next Friday? I am, yes. Boom! Uh, wonderful producer reached out, so that's a Friday fun day. And uh, I, wh- who's your favorite guest to have on besides well, me? Of see, oh, Concha, I mean, you definitely top three. Would you stop it? We, wow. we make great ma- radio magic. Um, <laughs> Uh, I can't slight my family because I book my family a lot on the show. So, That's you know, smart. if my kid is listening while he's cutting class right now, I'd be devastated if I gave you the gold. You know what I'm How saying? Uh, the link man's 14, but he does. Okay. He's a good following on the show. Um, so next Friday, I'm I'm filling in for our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld. Ah. So you may have me as a guest to do a little promo to remind the kids next Friday. Yeah. But beyond that, just drive it like you stole it. I don't even want to know who you <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? I hear you. All I right. Mean, yeah. mo- most people, when I they don't even say they're appearing on this show, they're like, no, I'm going to Epstein Island. I didn't hear anything about Fox oh. Across America. <laughs> oh, another I'll be in a story. I'm better mood by then because my devils got knocked out last night. And over time, which really hurts because, like, that's like I watching know. the death happen, you know, as opposed to like a blowout <laughs> or something where you could kind of accept it. Like, okay, I understand. Understand what's happening, uh, uh, so we, yeah, no, it's we, no good. But the XFL championship—I mean, the, the, the gambling options on that are just through the roof. Isn't it so crazy how much the options have like ballooned? Yeah. Like you used to bet the over/under and the point spread. Now it's like you know, odd number amount of orange garbage cans in section two nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, what? No, literally every player you can write right down yes. to like assists, rebounds, pitches, blocks. balls, strikes. There's like a. A, a prop, the prop bets you can bet now. It's like, will LeBron have more points than Bronny Jr. has groupies in the green room? <laughs> right. You know. It's very creative, I gotta <laughs> will, say. Will Patrick Mahomes get more yards than Jackson Mahomes will get criminal charges? Wow. It's crazy. It's a wild time to follow the sports, is what I'm trying to say. There's a Jerry Rice, Donna Rice. Bet somewhere. <laughs> I was going to go Susan it. Rice. Or Susan Rice, right, exactly. No, no, but you took, you took it somewhere. Well, it's funny because I think, you know, when you talk about gambling, if you were standing this far out from the 2024 election, okay, Trump is certainly the favorite right now in the Republican Party, you yeah. know, based on poll position. Everything changes once they get in the ring and start facing live ammo. But what would you say the odds are? And I, what would you say the odds are right now? That Biden, that it is a Biden-Trump rematch. 
because 20%. no, that, you would say that, right? And yeah. is that based on what? Is that based on Biden's physical aptitude? Is it based on Trump's impending criminal complications or the fact that nobody wants to see it at all, according to the polling? I think that's the thing that I keep getting stuck on. Like, well, how could this be the inevitable rematch when you see that almost nobody wants this rematch, right? <laughs> and I, I think the DeSantis campaign is being written off a little too early, considering that it isn't a campaign yeah. yet, right? He hasn't announced that whole race with Trump will come down to a debate where DeSantis and Trump are next to each other. Mm-hmm. And if DeSantis is making the adult argument, the good argument, selling his successes in Florida, and Trump is just calling him names, mm-hmm. I could suddenly see that being the type of game changer where if the other candidates leave, like Haley, yeah, yeah. Pence, right, and it becomes a two-man race, uh-huh. I think then – some people are going to come out of the woodwork and be like, I, I got fatigue. This is enough. You know, there's always something with this guy, fairly or unfairly. Yeah. But I think it's time for, for young blood and a guy who could actually win. I, I can see that happening. So, so you're you're telling me Kanye has a chance. I'm saying Kanye has a chance, like out of Dumb and Dumber, I believe that is, right? And that's <laughs> so, you, so you're telling me there's a chance. Well, it's funny because if it winds up being Trump-Biden, it's very evocative when I was a kid – uh, I've I've brought this up a lot on the show. Larry Holmes fought Jerry Cooney yeah. when they were both well past their boxing prime, but they had both cultivated a passionate fan base over the years. So they fought in Atlantic City, and it was famously dubbed by the media two geezers at Caesars. Oh. And I thought it was just like such a funny line back, you know, simple humor, simple time. And uh, we very much could be headed towards a two geezers at Caesars. That's true. Except Trump is, you know, he's, oh, he's sharp. Well, he's right? sharp. I, I, he does not belong in that conversation in terms of age. Yes. In terms of aptitude. No. I mean, he was he was on fire the other night for whatever we think of him. And every issue that was supposed to be a negative wound up being a positive because it was funny. Like, they're outraged about the E. Jean Carroll stuff, yeah. but E. Jean Carroll on CNN has been forced off the air in the past because of some of her comments to Anderson Cooper. So she is a little weird and out there. Oh, completely. And that's the thing. Like, people are praising Caitlin Collins for the job that she did. Nah. No. You look at the que- the first question out of the gates about the 2020 election. Of course, mm-hmm. Trump is going to defend himself yep. on that, right? It's not about the 2024 election in terms of all the things that are completely breaking down in this country when you talk about economy, border, crime, yep. education, foreign policy, you name it. There were a lot of topics that she could have gone with first. Instead, she goes with that. Then, as you said, Eugene Carroll, then the documents at Mar-a-Lago, then January 6th. Those are issues that Democrats want to talk about yep that was supposed to be a primary for republican voters independent voters and she did what she would she went about it where she would get praised by media critics not name me and obviously by her own colleagues yep. uh because she did everybody a disservice in terms of the questions and now that they, and now they're mad at her anyway because she platformed him and he got a lot of laughs the room liked him yeah. listen that was that's trump at his best like he likes a live audience because he has chops as we say in the biz oh, yeah. he's witty he can get laughs you know and he he'll, he'll attack the moderator which is an effective tool you know if they're really trying to shape a conversation like it was interesting when they were talking about ukraine and the case he was making was hey I can't take a side if we're going to effectively negotiate a truce. If you take a side, that's not a truce. That's just you aligning with one side. And uh, he's he's actually effectively articulating a perfect take on the issue. Let's end the war. Let's stop spending the money. Let's just put this thing to bed. And they tried so hard to frame that. It was Van Jones who said to Byron Donalds, oh, he wants to hand Ukraine to Russia. 
I'm like, in what world did you deduce that from that conversation? Other than the world where you showed up with an interpretation of what he was going to say, so they didn't even need to watch the debate or right. the town and then, hall. And then the bigger implication is, and the reason why he wants to hand Ukraine to Russia is because Trump is a Russian oh, agent working for Putin, which I believe has been disproven, but they're, they're never going to let <laughs> Did you see Christie try to get in on that one? Yeah. Christie's talking about I'm like, Christie, you worked on the campaign. You fought against that narrative for years. And now you're just going to glom on to try to get some relevance. Like, that's so embarrassing. That's the thing. The, the, the candidates are there just to either sell a book or get on TV. Mm-hmm. That's that's Chris Christie, right? My, my former governor, when he was my, my governor, I, I liked the job. That he did, but it, 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 this isn't 2012, all right? Yeah. That's when he should have run. He's doing this now strictly yeah. for attention. Some, some people that are in this race are doing it strictly for the speeches and for the books, and they know they can't win. The question is, will they drop out like Kamala Harris did? At least she yeah. had the, the uh, decency to do this before Iowa. Yeah. And before these races where they're two or three percent can end up being the difference. But let me go back to one thing you just said, because yep. I think it's really important. You said how Trump owns the, the town hall stages because he can entertain. He can make people laugh. This is where then I wonder how DeSantis plays, because DeSantis ain't exactly Mr. Laughs. Right. No, nope. um, he's he's a serious guy. He's, you know, former military uh, two Ivy League schools, obviously, as governor of Florida, 60 percent approval rating. People like him, but he's not going to entertain you. And I wonder if people are like, all right, fine. I don't want to be entertained anymore. I like what this guy's going to have to say. Or will it be oh, Trump really nailed him with that zinger? I'm going to vote for him. I, like, I, I wonder know. how that goes. Right. I think I, I honestly I, I think it's mm, I, I there's a very 2016 aspect to live events that I think is universal in any news cycle. People like to be entertained. Yeah. I mean, think about that. No, no one. Everyone listening hasn't gone three minutes without looking down at their phone during this conversation for some other image or some food or something. Never underestimate the power of entertainment, Concha. That's what we're doing on the radio. You and me. Gladiator. Um, Thank you. Are you not entertained? Right. Too but the funny. old guy told him, like, you win the crowd. You win your freedom. Like, in other words, it's not just about killing people. You got to also. You got to have some jokes, General Maximus. You got to you got to fight the Minotaur. You need to do some yo mama jokes before they let it loose. Uh, I tell you, I, I interviewed Russell Crowe about oh, a year ago and it was by th- Zoom. No, no. Listen to me. He's got to weigh like 280 pounds now. I can't. Yeah, I can't even imagine. We're going to tell this story in full next Friday when you guest host. Joe yeah, Concha. I, you gotta go. you I miss you already. We'll do it. All soon. Right, man. There he goes. The great Joe Concha back after this. Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. Going to be bringing up Diamond Dave Landau in the next hour. Diamond Dave, if you're listening on any of our affiliates upstate New York, Diamond Dave is at the Funny Bone in Albany tonight and tomorrow. You can see him in action. Next week, he's at the Louisville Comedy Club. That is May 19th and the 20th. I, of course, will be hosting Gutfeld at 11 p.m. next Friday night, May the 19th. And then the 20th, I'll be taking the stage at the Capitol Theater in Clearwater, Florida. Myself and Kennedy, the Laughs and Liberty Tour. Back after this for more Radio Mayhem on Fox Across America. Oh, you bet it is. And we are fired up on a Friday for the final hour of a week that has just been an absolute banger on the radio. Uh, Diamond Dave Landau going to join us to wrap it up in the kiss and cry room, as they say in gymnastics. Go over our scores. See how the floor routine did. 888-788-9910, the phone number if you want to be a part of a shindig. 
that's going to include a spirited discussion about all things America. Uh, we're talking Trump Town Hall. There was a little bit of a media freak out in the aftermath. Uh, of course, down at the southern border, Title 42 finally lapsing at midnight last night, opening the floodgates to what many people believe will be upwards of 150,000 migrants crossing the border this first week alone. Uh, this, of course, coming on the heels of the past two years in which six million people have made it across our southern border, 530,000 known gotaways, over 200 members of the terror watch list. Yeah, we talk about the border a lot on this show because it's an issue of real consequence. Okay, Trump going on CNN and making fun of the moderator and getting laughs out of the audience, that doesn't affect anyone's ability to pay a bill or get back from the store safely doesn't affect whether or not you're going to drop dead at a party tonight because you took a recreational drug laced with fentanyl coming across our southern border. It doesn't. Okay, inflation's at a 40-year high. If you're living on a fixed income, if you're a single parent struggling to get by, a retiree, you're getting smoked by this economy. Those are issues of real consequence. Most of what the media goes crazy over are things nobody cares about but them. I mean, that was supposed to be the lesson of the 2016 election is that Trump was tweeting all kinds of wild stuff. And, you know, the media's like, oh, this is crazy. We can't have this guy be proud, my goodness gracious. But what they were prioritizing was a completely different stratosphere from what the voters were prioritizing, meaning the voters heard a guy talking about jobs, heard a guy talking about securing the border. They heard him talking about getting NATO allies to pay their fair share, talked about bolstering our military bolstering our domestic energy production, which is the number one driver of the economy here in the country right now. People heard Trump get up onto the podium and in very colorful ways vow to fight for the issues that they themselves prioritized. And I got to tell you, the reason people considered 2016 such an upset is because the people reporting on the election never, ever once spent any time talking to the people who actually vote in the election, okay, which is why the CNN town hall has led to so much hysteria in the media class, okay? They watched that from a standpoint of who behaves like this, but the American voter doesn't care about decorum, okay? They don't need the girl that gets on stage at the beauty pageant and wishes for world peace, if she's quietly drone striking the other side of the world day in and day out, you know, they'd, they'd rather have the girl, you know, who gets up there and does the ping pong ball routine and actually just shows everybody a good time is what I'm trying to say. I love it when you talk dirty. Let me give you some of this media reaction because we're going to talk about this with Dave Landau. Now, I'm going to tell you why we're talking about this, because it's funny. It's Friday. It's ridiculous. There are things of serious consequence going on in the world. I do not, I do not want to engulf you in this overwhelming sense of despair that has consumed most of the country under the current president. Biden sucks. Dude, think about it right now. 75% of Americans, 75% of Americans think the country is headed in the wrong direction. Come on, man. But think about the significance of that. 
And this is why these Trump hysterics are so funny. This is why I want to highlight them again on the show. Because we talk about the divide between what the media cares about and what you care about. Okay, the media is out there telling you Joe Biden could win the presidency again. Wrong. Okay, 70 percent of America think the country's going in the wrong direction. I promise you, nobody is hiring an Uber driver if 70 percent of the passengers think he's going the wrong way on the highway. Okay, there's a matter. There's a finite amount of time that this is a viable thing. But again, they think he's doing well because he's, you know, talking about climate change and gender ideology and stuff. They prioritize, to put it in English, to say those words clearly out of my mouth uh, the way you're supposed to hear them. Do you speak in English? Uh, A limited amount, apparently. But you understand they're prioritizing things that align with the sentiments on the woke left. Everything woke turns to Okay, and if you don't believe me, look at the border policy. Securing your border is racist. No human being should be illegal. You know, until those illegal human beings show up to these Democratic sanctuary cities. And they're like, we have no room. Democrats are so full of crap. Okay. Woke environmental policies. We're saving. They're crazy. They really are. Because think about that. What they've done right now to our domestic energy production in outsourcing it to countries that produce it 42% filthier than we do, is they've increased pollution. It's now getting produced by filthier countries. It then requires more fuel just to get it back to ours. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've heard of. It's so dumb. So the left and the people who think Biden's doing a good job, okay, are apoplectic about the Trump town hall. Because he focused on issues that drive them crazy. But these issues, mind you, resonate very strongly with the voter. Okay, here's an exchange. This is a great one. I mean, I don't think anything encapsulates that Trump connection to the actual boots on the ground, the rank and file voter in this country, than his answer on the economy. It's clip 31. What is the first thing you would do to help bring down the cost to make things more affordable? Drill, baby, drill. So, we were energy independent. We were soon going to be energy dominant. And nobody had ever done what I did. We got oil down to $1.87. Actually, it fell lower than that in some cases. We had to save the oil companies the, the price was getting so... We were doing incredibly. We had the greatest economy in the history of our country, probably the greatest economy in the history of the world. We were energy independent, soon to be energy dominant. We were going to be bigger than Russia and Saudi Arabia put together times two. We have more liquid gold under our feet than any other nation, any other nation. And these stupid fools ended it. (laughs) He knows what he's talking about. It's not wrong. Okay, but let me give you another example. Here is Joe Scarborough. I love this one. Talking about media freakouts. Trump got a huge reaction in the room to drill, baby, drill. Why? Because the economy is powered by American energy independence. It makes everything better for you. Makes your prices lower and it makes them a lot less volatile. When we're energy independent, you never have to get out of bed and go, well, two people are pissed off in the Middle East at each other. So the price is five fifty a gallon. 
Okay, it doesn't matter what Putin does if we're energy independent. It doesn't matter what OPEC does. It doesn't matter what they do in Saudi Arabia. Doesn't matter. You're independent. Remember Destiny's Child? All the women independent. That whole thing. Yeah, that's us. But Biden got into office and was like, nah. Don't worry about it. Nah, we'll go back. We'll, you know, let the rest of the world dictate. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. But let's talk about the war in Ukraine. Talk about things people prioritize. Trump got a huge round of applause for saying drill, baby, drill. Okay, rely on American energy independence. This resonates with voters. The people that are affected by government policy, okay, it resonates with them. Here's Trump's answer on the war, the war, the war in Ukraine. Okay, and I want you to hear this because Scarborough goes out and trashes the audience. Says they laughed at Trump as he was ready to give away Ukraine. It's just so funny and so embarrassing. Okay, because Trump's answer on they're ready to give away Ukraine is anything but what he's characterizing it as. But I'll give you Scarborough first, and I'll give you Trump second. It's clip 37. An audience that mocked and ridiculed a woman uh, who a jury of her peers, Donald Trump's peers, found had been sexually assaulted. Those Americans there last night turned that into a punchline, laughed and dismissed cops getting the kicked out of them on January the 6th, beaten up over and over again, calling a cop, a thug, Mm. who actually was trying to stop people from the House floor from being killed. Um, I could go, I just could go on and on, basically saying he would turn over uh, Ukraine to Vladimir Putin. You are a sad, strange little man. He said, basically said he'd turn over Ukraine to Vladimir Putin. <laughs> Understand, so everything he said is a mischaracterization of what went on in that room. Everything he said. But I'm going to give you an actual line-by-line accounting of it. I'm going to play you the Trump clip. So this is the Trump clip on the war in Ukraine. This is the Trump clip that allows a guy like Joe Scarborough, because we're living in the death of shame, to say this clip. This is, these are the words of a man who wants to give Ukraine to Russia. This was the takeaway. Clip 30. If I'm president, I will have that war settled in one day, 24 hours. How would you settle that war in one day? Round of applause. Because I'll meet with Putin. I'll meet with Zelensky. They both have weaknesses and they both have strengths. And within 24 hours, that war will be settled. It'll be over. It'll be absolutely over. Do you want Ukraine to win this war? Uh, I don't think in terms of winning and losing. I think in terms of getting it settled so we stop killing all these people and breaking down this country. Can you say if you want Ukraine or Russia to win this war? I want everybody to stop dying. They're dying. Russians and Ukrainians. I want them to stop dying. And I'll have that done. I'll have that done in 24 hours. I'll have it done. You need the power of the presidency to do it. But you but won't say that you want Ukraine to win. You, you know what I'll you say? In, I'll say this. Office. I want Europe to put up more money because they're in for 20 billion. We're in for 170, and they should an be. And they should, should equalize. You suck, you jackass. At any point, at any point, did he just say 
give Ukraine to Russia? The answer would be no. Did he say that's how I would end the war? The answer would be no. And do you want to know why he didn't take a side? Are you ready for this? I think you know it if you're, you know, a rationally thinking human being here. Is because if you think you're going to be the arbiter that brokers peace between two nations, you don't have credibility with one side if you declare an allegiance to the other. Dude, you do not have a good faith bargaining position if you show up to the table and you go, no, I'm with them, but let's work out a deal that's fair for all of us. It doesn't work that way, okay? No one walks into the room and goes, yeah, no, this seems reasonable. He's with them, but he's going to he's gonna negotiate in my best interest because he's with them. Come on, don't bullshit me. But this is what you're dealing with. Distortion and mischaracterization is all they have. But the real disgust here is that he's speaking in ways to issues that resonate with people. The American people do not want to finance a war in Ukraine for the next decade. Okay, they don't want to finance it right now. They want to bring everybody home. That doesn't mean they're rooting for Putin. It just means we have sent over $100 billion unaccounted. Okay, we can't get an auditing if we go, hey— How many tanks did we buy? Hey, how much money is left? They go, what are you on Putin's side? Shut your fat face. That's what they say. Does that sound like a rational, good faith exchange of ideas? No. Does it sound like transparency? No. Okay, the reason they hate this man, okay, and this does matter, is because they want nothing to do with a substantive exchange of ideas. Their job is not deliver truth. Their job is not to deliver accountability. Well, it would be if they were traditional journalists. But you have to understand these are activists masquerading as journalists. And you need to look no further than the fact that they all tell you with a straight face that they're impartial journalists, objective brokers of the truth. Yet here they are openly condemning a network who aired the leading candidate of one political party. Can you really tell me with a straight face that you're a supporter of the free exchange of ideas and getting the truth out to the people if you want to ban one side from speaking altogether? Folks, these are not journalists. They're not TV hosts. They're circus clowns. The show that connects you to people in high places. It's like the most important man in the world standing here and you got a conversation going with each other. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America. Main man Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be talking to Diamond Dave Landau in the next break. He, of course, hails from the great state of Michigan. Joining us now, uh, someone who currently hails from Grand Rapids, Michigan. We are talking about the lovely Teresa. Hey, girl. Here I am again. I back in action like a radio stray cat we fed once and you won't go away. <laughs> you try to get rid of me. Nope, not happening. That one bowl of milk set us back so much. I'm kidding. How you been, though? Is everything good? Yeah, everything's great. Weather's warming up a little bit. Sounds oh, great. We're getting ready for July 8th. Ooh, Holland Civic Center, me and the K-Train. There you go. There you go. Got my party ready to go. Oh, it's going to be a banger. So the other night when we were in Reading, 
Mm-hmm. We did um it was really fascinating. So we didn't know this at the time. Like like if you go to one of my shows, like I will meet everyone there. Like we'll have drinks, you take selfies. No, of course, stop it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. that's okay. the thing. We've been talking about forever. But we didn't yeah. know this. And so the of the venue had sold people like a VIP meet and greet thing that we didn't even know <laughs> we didn't even know was a thing, right? Like I we legitimately didn't know. So you know what we did to the venue? We let mm-hmm. all of those people into our green room. And they I actually hung out. They ate all the food, drank all the booze, by the way. And we of went out course. We went out to the lobby, took like 250 selfies uh, of groups and people and everything in between. And then we went back to the green room, and there was like legit 100 people in our green room. They completely ransacked the it. place. No, it was a good hang. So we buckle up, boo. more money, and you're like, dude, we're going to do this anyways. That's what I mean. So I was like, at that right. point, I felt like you were. they were owed like some type of weird VIP experience. So I didn't have Lincoln. Didn't have Lincoln there to smoke a joint with him in the parking lot, so you know I, I had to improvise. <laughs> I had to improvise. Uh, really quick, we have a minute. Mikey said you had a question about the border that was interesting. What is it, really quick? Well, I got you. Well, I want to conduct an experiment. So, if I came in through Canada, mm-hmm. how am I going to be treated? Ooh. You know, we hear all these numbers coming in and all the gadoids, blah blah blah, out of the, all out of the southern border. What about all of our other? Do they actually enforce laws out of all the other borders? Uh, I mean, here's the thing. They technically do. The U.S.-Canadian border has a lot more scrutiny than the southern border. That's discrimination. (laughs) Well, I will tell you this. (laughs) See where I'm going there? Yeah, oh, well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 headed that way. Uh, I'll bring yeah. on Diamond Dave Landau. He's a Michiganite. Maybe he backs you up. But either way, I'll see you at the bar, girlfriend. Back me up. Oh, Love it. Teresa. Miss you already. There she goes. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. About to be joined by one of our favorites. You can see him this weekend, tonight and tomorrow. You'd obviously buy tickets both nights. You want to get as much of this as possible. He is at the Funny Bone in Albany, New York. And this time next week, while we're down in Clearwater, he will be at the Louisville Comedy Club. I'm talking about Friday, May 19th, Saturday, May the 20th. But right now, he is here with you and me on the radio, Diamond Dave Landau. Hey, girl. Hey, delicious. How you doing? Hello, Snookums. Uh, I'm good. Happy Friday. Uh, it's been a banner week. We've we've had a lot. We've had, you know, we have a lot go on. Um, we have been covering on the show, and I kind of briefed you about this off the air, uh, that we were going to talk a little bit about the Trump town hall thing. Now, the, yes. re- the reason I want to talk to you about it is not through, like, for traditional, like, uh, political analysis, but because... I don't think the average member of the media gets the appeal of Trump. And what I mean by that is that it's like he's kind of funny. He's certainly very crass at times. But it's like if you were looking at the presidency like the Miss America pageant, rather than playing the harp, he's the girl getting on stage in the bikini with the ping pong balls. And uh, the audience has apparently done some time in the military overseas, (laughs) and they really uh, have a familiar sense with this type of performance, and they're eating it up, are they not? Oh, they absolutely are. I mean, CNN has ratings. That probably shocked them. Uh, (laughs) Even though they're mad at the new uh, CEO or whatever, he's probably like, isn't this what you wanted? I know. (laughs) Someone's watching. (laughs) Yeah, we've had to get rid of everyone. I mean, we had Delta and Lemon and... Everyone else is terrible. Mm-hmm. So we actually had viewers. 
And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's great. He has an appeal that, like, Sam Kinison did to stand-up. That's funny. Like, it's crass and rude and just shouldn't really be there, but it's definitely <laughs> going to be popular. I'm, I'm just picturing Trump telling them, like, how would you end world hunger? Tell them to move where the food is. Yeah. <laughs> Kinison. Yeah. <laughs> we've, been, we've been sending all this money. Just tell them to move where the food is. Yeah. Why are you living in the desert? There's nothing in the desert that doesn't grow. Trump, the Sam Kinison of politics. No, I love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. I want to play. I'm going to play you clips because this is, I did this yesterday and I just had so much fun doing it. So what they're in, in this instance, Trump is accused, of course, of raping a woman 30 years ago. Now, it's worth noting this woman, for whatever people think of her, was once hustled off the air on CNN because she was very out there. She was famously telling Anderson Cooper that rape was sexy and that there was a very attractive connotation to it. And uh, again, never buy a used laptop off this person. But the point is, uh, that no, was the vibe. And Anderson Cooper famously was like, uh, we've got to go to break. And and she you know, said, like, you're interesting to talk to. And he just got out of the interview because she was a little out there. But the point is, in characterizing her, <laughs> and, and I know it was, it was crazy. It's funny. But in characterizing their interactions, Trump kind of tells the story in a way that is something about his voice and his demeanor that winds up making it funny. He's talking about the story of how they met and she took him into a green room. And I believe the term we're going to play this, you and me. I believe the term he used is hanky panky. And hanky panky in theory is like a silly term. It's like when we call each other snookums. But when you've got a guy who's a former president of the United States, probably the most famous person in the history of the planet at this point. Uh, telling a story the way he does, it kind of cartoons away the bad, meaning this was supposed to be a losing issue, but I think the comedy made it a winning issue for him. Yes, I think it's a term that since it hasn't been used since match game really softens it. <laughs> Thank you, Panky. <laughs> Matt, that's funny. Picture So picture this exchange. Uh, picture this exchange to the theme song for match game. But give me a minute. This is clip 29. Okay. Do you think that, yeah. that that will deter women from voting for you? No, I don't think so, because I think the whole thing, just so you understand, ready? I never met this woman. I never saw this woman. This woman said, I met her at the front door of Bergdorf Goodman, which I rarely go into other than for a couple of charities. I met her in the front door. She was about 60 years old, and this is like 22, 23 years ago. I met her in the front door of Bergdorf Goodman. I was immediately attracted to her, and she was immediately attracted to me. And we had this great chemistry. We're walking into a crowded department, so we had this great chemistry. And a few minutes later, we end up in a, a room, a dressing room of Bergdorf Goodman, <laughs> right near the cash register. And then she found out there were locks on the door. So she said, I found one that was open. She found one. She learned this at trial. She found one that was open. What kind of a woman meets somebody and brings them up, and within minutes, you're playing hanky-panky in a dressing room, okay? <laughs> I don't know if he was, he was married then or not. John Johnson, I feel sorry for you. It almost sounds like a Garrison Keeler type. <laughs> We're in the locker room. But he's, la he's yeah. getting laughs. 
Yes, he's doing well, and he's getting laughs in a place where he's not supposed to be. Yep, That's the best part, is they don't want this to go as well as it went. That's what I was enjoying about the entire thing, Yeah, was just watching the meltdown happen as he's <laughs> trying to explain this. Because it seems like a very logical story. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, it does. <laughs> like, so you saw a billionaire, you lured him into a car. Yeah, I get it. Like, it seems reasonable. I mean, I hate to say it. Uh-huh. It just seems more realistic than the psychotic woman who was once escorted off of Anderson Cooper who made him sexually uncomfortable. <laughs> Anderson Cooper, who, by the way, uh, I picked him up in my cab once. He was he was coming from the gym. Um, and uh, I'll speak fast so you don't insert a joke here. That'll get us both in trouble. But he was just coming from the gym. <laughs> Uh, we were, oh, it was over. It was over in Chelsea. Uh, I always love talking about celebrity tipping. Anderson Cooper gave me ten on nine ninety. Nine, pretty good. Nine, no, 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 no. I don't mean a ten dollar tip. I mean he gave me a ten dollar bill and said, "Keep it." Wow, that's very generous. This is a man who <laughs> came from a lineage of billionaires. The Vanderbilt fortune. <laughs> that's how they get rich by not giving it to cab drivers. <laughs> he gave me. <laughs> Boy, the lineage of non-tipping from the railroad industry has really made him something. <laughs> I guess you'd be happy they didn't send down a couple of thugs to bust up my union or something. <laughs> That's amazing. So funny. Well, it, oh, man. I was, oh, wow. It is incredible, though, with this story that, you know, Anderson Cooper was able to tolerate Kathy Griffin for years, but not this woman. That should say something. <laughs> Diamond Dave Landau is on the phone. Uh, we, I was talking about that. Do you remember when all the um, the networks blurted out, you know, because she had the Trump head? And oh, remember, yeah, yeah she course. got in all of that trouble. And I, I've said this a thousand times. Like, you know, they blurted out the, the plastic face, but it was like the wrong plastic face, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, come on. Come on, man. Oh, you got to care about your viewers. I just can't imagine her going in to get plastic surgery, and they're like, "So you want me to make you good looking again? Like when? <laughs> when did that happen?" It's listen, man. I I <laughs> I will never purport to understand like what ha- what I think happened for real in the aftermath of his election is it like it quickly descended into a contest to see who could act the most upset. Like, do you remember Saturday Night Live literally played "Hallelujah" by Leonard Cohen? They had yeah, Kate the night McKinnon. That it started, yeah. yeah. Kate McKinnon did on the grand piano. Kate McKinnon, uh, with, with no jokes in the opening of the show. Understand this. Saturday Night Live once did a show two weeks after September 11th, a mile from ground zero, and opened with a comedy monologue. But the Trump yeah. election, they cried it out as a group therapy session. I'm telling you, like they've yeah. lost our way. These are a people who've lost their way. Well, no, Giuliani was actually the host yes! of that show. And, yeah, at the end they said, is it all right for America to laugh? And he said, why start now? <laughs> and that was, yeah, 2001. We were able to actually have a sense of humor about something. But instead they're like, we better play the saddest song ever written uh, <laughs> with no comedy at all because this is obviously the end of the world. Why did somebody die? No, nobody. The economy seems to be on an upturn. <laughs> Everything's actually like the border's secure, the streets are a little safer, and everybody's making more money. Uh, but here's some arsenic if you want to chug it during the song, just in case. It's crazy. Right. 
We're thinking of rioting because we have some free time. It's so it's so crazy how the tone isn't connect. It's like incongruent to the actual development. I'll give you another one. Since we were talking about Anderson Cooper, here is Anderson Cooper last night. He is opens his show by apologizing for hosting the Trump Town Hall. And again, he's responding to this allegation that they platformed Donald Trump. Donald Trump platformed CNN. He's the most famous guy in the world. They had 800,000 viewers the night before, 3.5 million viewers the night he was on. They didn't give him visibility. He gave them visibility. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Okay, so anyway, here's Anderson Cooper apologizing, though. And just notice the tone of this is like something you could expect a news anchor to say after they just cut away from a, a story about how 89 people died. You know what I'm saying? And it's really just about a guy who came on and told jokes and made points and got laughs. This is clip uh, 19, Josh. Before we begin with tonight's broadcast, I want to say something about what we witnessed at last night's town hall. Many of you have expressed deep anger and disappointment. Many of you are upset that someone who attempted to destroy our democracy was invited to sit on a stage in front of a crowd of Republican voters to answer questions and predictably continued to spew lie after lie after lie. And I get it. It was disturbing. Now, give me a few seconds of 20, Josh. Just give me the first few seconds. So if last night showed anything, it showed it can happen again. It is happening again. He hasn't changed, and he is running hard. You have every right to be outraged today and angry and never watch this network again. But do you think staying in your silo and only listening to people you agree with is going to make that person go away? I mean, listen to that guy. He's like literally looking into the camera like he's Walter Cronkite, glasses off, like telling you JFK has been assassinated. But I like the little bit of gaslighting at the end where he's like, but I mean, you saw the ratings, right? (laughs) He's like, we just picked up three new sponsors. (laughs) Granted, they're 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 apocalypse foods, but still. (laughs) Luxury bunker preparation. Yes, it's like. Does your bunker have Bluetooth? <laughs> it does. Yes. It does, yes. You're going to need to pick up some great, great music from uh, <laughs> the falling. It yeah, so it's incredible, though, at the end, how he does kind of go. But, you know, we don't want to just listen to one side. Yeah. Really? Hasn't that been your motto for all of this ever? I know. That's 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 the biggest joke of the whole thing is they've spent this the last five years. And that's why they had no ratings going into this event is because they had become like the Colbert of news in the sense that everybody knew what was coming. Everybody knew where they were going to stand. Everybody knew whose fault it was. And, you know, nobody cared. They kind of discredited themselves. So to 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 do that the other night, like to have the debate, I actually thought it was commendable. Okay, bring Trump on. You know, you can duke it out with him. Let him talk to voters. Um, You know, smart for ratings, certainly. But it just really shows how they're out of touch, like the media is so out of touch with regular humans because regular humans enjoyed the spectacle and they didn't want an apology. The only person he's really apologizing there are fellow, you know, pretend journalists who claim to be arbitrary brokers of the facts. Absolutely. The people that claim outrage who don't actually have any outrage. I mean, they could have done anything and there would have been outrage. No, that's so true. That is so true. It's, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's the that's the goal. If, I mean, if, that's the, the, goal if the town hall, if the town hall was Trump giving out dog treats, 
they'd be like, you know, you know, one of the people at that dog treat manufacturers was a white supremacist. You know that, right? Yeah, they'd, there was right. A, they'd be like, I, I'm a cat person. Yeah, we know you are, <laughs> sir. 25 times over, sir. You're a cat person. Yeah, we, yeah, we get it. <laughs> to, an we're, alarming, we're to an alarming degree, sir. The neighbors are talking. Yeah. It's, it's not Sometimes good. I eat the wet food, too. I know. We know you do. <laughs> we know you eat wet cat food with your with Sergeant Mittens and watch CNN and get upset. I know. You, you and know. Sheriff Whiskerson are fighting crime one Anderson Cooper episode yeah. at a time. Right. You cry way too much for a man, but not nearly as much as someone who persistently watches CNN. I get it. <laughs> You're mentally ill. We understand. Oh, it's so funny. Are you, uh, by the way, are you in Albany yet before I let you go? I need to know. I am in Albany. Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got in last night. I, I took Southwest, which I don't know if they're a sponsor of your show, and I don't care. <laughs> um. <laughs> One of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. It was, a, it was a six and a half hour delay after a two hour delay on the first flight. And uh, yeah, we, we I got in at like five in the morning, and they, just to act like we know we were a little delayed, and it's like I'm going to hijack the plane. <laughs> Give you the you you know you get that that bonus pack of brown sugar cookies. Right. <laughs> well, that's the best part at Southwest. So it's just that dry pretzel stuff. So yeah. you're actually choking and like. <laughs> You're like, oh, right, I should have waited for water because now I'm going to be in pain for 40 minutes. <laughs> I just had. Because they don't do anything in proper order. <laughs> Boarding, <laughs> snacks, you name it. <laughs> oh, man. There's no dignity in it anymore. There's just there's no, no it, dignity. It, it's like the rich kid who keeps getting bailed out by his parents but never learns his lesson. It's like, you just got out of jail. Why did you drive the Ferrari into a tree? <laughs> Like it, that is—that's the airlines. That's that's what it all is now. Just oh, the rich kid who gets bailed out and doesn't care. You know what I love? I do love about that—the low rent airline—is the whole. You know, they're charging you for everything, so you're like literally hearing a pre-flight of announcement of like, in the event of a change in cabin pressure, swipe your Mastercard or Visa, pull down on your oxygen yes. mask. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> well, this one, yeah. this one too. There's. All these people wearing masks who are, like, laying on the airport floor sleeping. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, you know you're stupid, right? <laughs> like, you're wearing a mask. <laughs> you have no problem just laying across the dirtiest floor <laughs> on planet Earth. You uh, have like, <laughs> now, did you just think that internally, or did you actually say it to the captain of your flight? No. <laughs> I uh, I believe I screamed it. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is Dave No Fly Landau joining us from the road. Exactly. Good that's stuff. true. I uh, that that's not me that just said all that. That's too funny. <laughs> uh, give him hell, man. We'll check in next week. Thank you, sir. See you, brother. There he goes, Diamond Dave. Check him out at the at the Funny Bone in Albany tonight and tomorrow, next Friday and Saturday at the Louisville Comedy Club. We're back after this. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. That's my name. Don't wear it out. Bottom of the ninth here on Fox Across America. Party just getting started for your radio buddy as it pertains to TV. My side hustle on the biggest TV network on the planet. A little side gig. I will be on uh, with Larry Kudlow. In the 4 p.m. hour, myself and Katie Pavlich, who joined us earlier in the week on this show, 
Uh, we'll be teaming up on Cudlow to talk a little bit more about the Trump Town Hall and the media fallout from the Bidens and everything in between. Tonight at 8 o'clock, myself and Kaylee McEnany getting the band back together in the 8 p.m. hour on Fox News tonight. Tomorrow, I will be on a 9 p.m. hour with Lawrence Jones. Uh, Lawrence Jones Cross Country, going to be a banger. And then next week on Everything You'd Expect to See Me on, Hannity, Jesse Waters, uh, Laura Ingram. I'll be on Fox and Friends. And one week from today, Friday night, May the 19th, I am hosting Gutfeld, filling in for our lovable comedy dwarf. You'll see me back in the host chair a week from today. You better be there. I need the ratings, girlfriend. You know what I'm saying? If you didn't get tickets to see me and Kennedy on the road, we are in Clearwater, Florida next Saturday, May the 20th at the Capitol Theater. Then we will be in Iowa, Davenport, Iowa, June the 3rd at the Adler Theater, June the 10th at the Mesa Arts Center in Mesa, Arizona, and June the 24th at the Lexington Opera House, Lexington, Kentucky. The show's over. Be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a... Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.